Hello, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of the Purpose Producer Podcast. My name is Georgia Dawkins, and I'm the Purpose Producer. I got my start in television about 12 years ago when I became a fellow at Good Morning America ABC News. Now, the crux to that is I'm from a very small town in Florida, population 10,000, 16% black. Everybody is my cousin. So when you take a small town Florida girl and you put her in New York City, anything can happen. 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 I'm grateful because the best things happen from that experience. And now that I look back, I'm grateful for every single moment. Now, today I wanted to introduce you not only to Georgia Dawkins, the producer, but to purpose producer and what that means. So purpose producer is something that was given to me as I was writing my first book in 2018. Everybody knows the power of being in position, the gift that just keeps on giving. <laughs> well, while I was writing that book, God told me that I'm so much more than a television producer. I kind of struggled with what he was telling me to do at the time, but everything made sense in due time. In that moment, he said, you're not just a television producer, you're a purpose producer. Everything you put your hands on, you're extracting purpose from that thing. And that's what I need you to do. So I did that and I wrote my first book in eight days. I published and released in 90. I started my own media company and the rest is history. Now to truly understand what it means to be a purpose producer, I kind of have to tell you a little bit more about my story so we can kind of get a little deep in that. Is it okay if we just get a little intimate? Okay. So I can't believe this is finally happening. The Purpose Producer Podcast is something that I not only promised myself, but I promised God that I would do this. I've been sitting on this name and on this artwork and on this vision for more than a year, and I just cannot let another year pass without getting this out. So... In 2016, I faced something that was so embarrassing and heartbreaking that I didn't think I was going to come back from it. I was in a very serious relationship. I was with the person I thought I was going to marry, and we broke up. Seven days later, I got laid off from my job. <laughs> I'm laughing now because sometimes you got to laugh to keep from crying, and I really have no idea how I made it through that. Because those two moments in that short amount of time sent me into the darkest depression, the deepest depression of my life. It was so hard at times that if I were driving somewhere to a meeting, I would just fantasize about my death. Like, what would it be like if I ran into the semi? What would it be like if I just drove off this bridge? What would it be like if I slammed into this pole? Dark times very dark times. And I didn't think that I was going to make it out because I could barely leave the house. I wouldn't open a window. I barely ate any food. I really didn't see the light. Well, there was a light coming. I just had to hold on a little bit longer. Not even two months after the layoff and the breakup saga, I get a call, well, an email about an opportunity in Atlanta. 
I was living in Tampa at the time and I didn't know where I would end up next, but I was willing to go anywhere, anywhere where I thought there was a little bit of peace or a little bit of light. That is what I was searching for. So I got this opportunity to go to Atlanta. I had no money because that ex left me with all the bills, okay? (laughs) And I was tapped out, but I knew that I needed to give whatever I had to myself. I knew that I finally needed to bet on Georgia. And so I did. I moved to Atlanta for the opportunity to create a national talk show. Not only did I get to develop that show, but I got to name the show and cast the show and eventually launch that show. Well, in 2018, God told me to leave. God told me to leave and I didn't understand why. I had had a series of panic attacks secretly and I really didn't open up to anyone about it except for my black lady therapist shout out to my therapist for holding me down (laughs) because those conversations have really been my rock after a series of panic attacks i got i had my final well after my last panic attack it happened at work and i felt it coming i was shaking leading up to the moments that the show was to launch. I sat in the control room and I I bit my tongue. I bit my lips. I sat on my hands. Anything I could do to stop the shaking. Well, I had to go home that day (laughs) just to get myself together and go see my therapist. And I was away for a couple days. During those three days that I was away from my job, God sent the most divine messages to me about what to do next. And it was the most beautiful love story that I've ever seen, the most beautiful love story that I've ever been a part of. So on day three, post panic attack, not knowing if I can go back to this job, not knowing if I can show up for myself, I get a call. I get a call from a guy who's never been to my house before. And you know what he says? I'm in the neighborhood. Do you mind if I stop by? So I said, yeah, sure, come by. Now, what he doesn't know is my phone was all the way disconnected just moments before he called because I was trying to call him back from three days ago. As soon as I made that little payment arrangement, the phone started ringing. And to my surprise, it was the person who I needed to see the most. So this guy comes by, comes over to my house, and I just start telling him everything that's been going on since I had this panic attack at work. And I said to him, I don't know what to do next, um, but I'm thinking about talking to this lady who is in television, not really in television, but she wants to get into it. What do you think? This person is a mutual friend of ours. And he said, you have no idea how highly she thinks of you. So it turns out, God was already planting seeds before I took the first steps toward obedience. So I'm sitting at my dining room table with this guy when he starts to say things to me that I've only told God. I haven't even written these things down, like what's really happening? And it freaked me out so much that I had to get pen and paper and just start taking notes because there is no way that you know my deepest, darkest thoughts, my most intimate moments, those conversations that I only have with God. And he absolutely did. 
So I asked God, because that's who I believe I was talking to through this guy. And I said, well, what do I do next? How do I leave this job that was highly publicized? Like there were whole press releases that went out, bruh. Like you just want me to walk away from this? And God said to me, if you don't leave, when I tell you to leave, it could be catastrophic. Oh, okay. Well, if you know God like I know him, you know, he's a little dramatic and <laughs> he definitely is d- dramatic with me. It's a whole production. And that was a warning to me. Georgia, if you don't get in position, if you don't get where I tell you to be, when I tell you to be there, you can mess some other people up. And I said, God, I just, I still, I'm struggling, bro. You know, how do I walk away from this? And he said to me, you're not just a television producer. You're a purpose producer. Everything you put your hands on, you're extracting purpose from that thing. So the next day I go into work. And for some reason, the sky just seemed a little bit bigger and the sun was a little brighter and I definitely had an extra pep in my step. So before I walked into the studio to deliver my resignation, I had to call the woman who God told me to call the night before. No warning, no text message, no heads up. I called and she answered. And I said, I I don't know how to say this, but I'm sitting outside the studio going to put in my two weeks notice. But God told me you had a job for me. And she said, Georgia, I do have a job for you. I've had a job for you for six months and I've just been holding on to it, waiting for you to say something, waiting for you to get in position. And now that you're here, I have everything I need to do what God told me to do. Aha. Okay. That's what he was saying about getting in position and being there for other people. Now, You can do. Now I can do what God told me to do because you're in position. So fast forward to I go and I put in my two weeks notice and two weeks later, I go on a writing retreat. I couldn't afford to go on this retreat at the time. I just knew that God had given me directions to finish the book that I started nearly two years ago. I started writing the book. Everybody knows the power of being in position before I knew the title, before I knew what the cover would look like. I started writing that book after the breakup and the layoff. And before I had the words for it, I had my intentions. And I said, this book will not only heal me, but it will heal the people around me. And that's what it's doing. I'm watching it do that to this day. I'm watching the words and the experiences that I've survived help other people. So I go away on this writing retreat because a friend said to me, I want to help you do what God told you to do. How much do you need? She literally wrote me a check to go away to the beach for nine days and finish what God had told me to do. I finished the book in eight. I showed up to the beach with 2,500 words that I had been collecting over 18 months, trying to make sense of all the heartbreak and all the drama. And it only took eight days. (laughs) It only took eight days at the beach, just me and God, just pouring page after page after page after page. It's the best gift I've ever given myself. Time. 90 days later, I published and released the book, started my media company and began traveling. I went on 
<laughs> I went on book tours. I toured Florida. I went to Detroit with my book. And I, I launched the book in Atlanta. Atlanta has become such a special place for me and for my gifts. One of the things I love most about the book is I read it. <laughs> I read it when I need to, when I always find something different. It's the reason why I love to journal. It's the reason why I'm always collecting quotes. I'm always looking to be inspired. And a lot of times God uses the words that he gave me for someone else or for something else to inspire myself. And so that's what it's been doing for me. Everybody knows the power of being in position is a story of hope, redemption, and spirituality. I write so much about my struggles with mental health as a child. One of the things that I discovered about myself in adulthood is I really struggled with anxiety and depression and post-traumatic stress syndrome for so many reasons. And it wasn't until I started going to therapy that I started to do the work and I started to unpack all those things that I felt had burdened me. Because while I wasn't talking about it, I was wearing it on my sleeve. I was carrying all those negative things and negative experiences, and it was really starting to weigh me down. So the book was the beginning of that release for me. In the book, I have these pages called Purpose Reflections that really encourage the reader to also go down that purpose-driven journey with me. And my hope is that by the time you finish the book, that you've already started your own, that you've already started to leave something behind for someone else. One of the things I love about Purpose Reflections is I see them everywhere. I see them all the time. And it's so beautiful to me because I'm like, wow, God, you really are looking out and you'll really use anything and you'll really use anybody to speak to me. And that's so beautiful. It's so romantic. So a couple weeks after I left the show, I was still struggling with some anxiety. I didn't want to leave the house and people, you know, there are people outside and sometimes that can be stressful. I really didn't want to answer any questions about my faith. I really didn't want to answer any questions about why I left the show and what I was going to do next. Because I, I had people say to me, what do I tell people now? How do I introduce you to people now that you're not my producer friend? Wow. So that showed me how much value people were putting just on my title and not so much about who I was or the work I was doing. So I decided in that moment that everything from now on must align with my purpose. I must be in a position to use my gifts to help other people birth their dreams at all times. So that's where I try to stay. Well, a few weeks after the show, I was challenged. I got an invitation to come to a birthday party for a very popular stylist who I love so much. I got a chance to work with her um, on the talk show that I helped develop. And because of that, I really didn't want to go to the party because I didn't know who I was going to see from the show. And I just wasn't really ready to face people yet. So I decided after days of agonizing. I told her yes, but I was still struggling with whether or not I was gonna go. So I decided I was gonna wear that little red dress that was in the back of the closet that someone had gifted me. I'm gonna finally put it to work. 
I put on the little red dress. I put on a little piece of eyelash. I slicked my hair back and I put on a ponytail and I called an Uber because I already knew that I wanted to pregame before I got there because there are going to be people outside. So I needed to get my anxiety in check. And sometimes, you know, you got to do a little something extra. So I called my Uber and on the way, I texted my friend and I said, hey, I'm on my way. Can't wait to see you. She said, girl, I canceled the party. I'm home in the bed. Oh, girl, (laughs) I was devastated. I'm literally sitting in an Uber pool on my way to your birthday party outside where there are people and you are in the bed where I want to be. I don't even want to be out here with these people. So I said, you know what? I now have to go to this event because I'm stuck in an Uber pool. You can't just get out. So I said, fine. All I really wanted out of this night was a picture in my little red dress. That's it. They just need to know what happened. That's all I wanted. Well, I got so much more out of the night. I got to the club and there was a line. And people, I don't line. I don't do lines. I don't wait. It's a lie. I'm leaving. (laughs) I decided as soon as I pulled up that I was not staying because I'm not standing in this line. I immediately called another Uber pool. The guy shows up and he says, hey, how's your night going? I said, well, it was going okay. I got all dressed up to go to a friend's birthday party. And on the way here, I found out that it was canceled. So... Now I'm going home. And he said, what? You can't go home. You got to do something. I said, no, I like home. Home is great. Take me home. On our way to my house, we get another ping. We have to go pick someone else up. So we head over to Phipps Phipps Plaza and we pick up the next rider. And a girl opens the door and she says, hey, how y'all doing? I was like, whoa, first of all, (laughs) people don't speak in an Uber pool. You kind of treat it like a bus and just ignore everybody as hard as you possibly can. But this girl was different. So I said, hey, how you doing? And she said, are you guys having a good night? And I was like, yeah. And the driver said, no, you're not. You got all dressed up to go to your friend's party. And on the way there, you found out that it was canceled. You're having a terrible night. And I was like, no, it's great. I'm going home. I like home. Well, my co-writer starts to feel so bad for me. She's like, no, girl, you cannot go home. We have to do something. Let's go out. What do you want to do? Now, she has on her whole work uniform. I believe she was working at a movie theater at the time. And she's just like, whatever you want to do, let's go do it. And I'm like, girl. I don't even know your name. Like, you want to hang out with me and you feel sorry for me and you don't even know me. So I'm like, okay, what the hell? What's your name? And she says, Alizé. Girl, your name is not Alizé. I absolutely have to hang hang out with you now just because your name is Alizé. Like, this is going to be an amazing night. And all I want is a picture in this dress. So the night gets crazier. I tell her, cool, we can hang out. She gets off at my apartment with me. I don't know this girl. Anything could happen. So I was like, look, do you mind taking a picture of me in this dress so I can move on with my life? She takes the picture and we go upstairs and we talk for hours. We talk and she's just telling me like the most intimate details of her life. And I'm over here pouring and we're crying and we're laughing. And it's like I've known her forever. Well, eventually we got hungry. And I was like, girl, 
It's a Waffle House down the street. You want to go? And she was like, yeah, how are we going to get there? And I was like, I feel good enough to drive. Okay, don't tell anybody I did that. But I drove because it was only two lights away. So we go to Waffle House and we just continue bonding and we're cracking up. And I'm like, okay, don't take this the wrong way. But I kind of feel like you're an angel. I kind of feel like you were here for me. And she said, okay, I don't feel so weird now. I feel the same way about you. And so we're cracking up because we just met two hours ago in an Uber pool. And the waitress comes over and she says, y'all must be best friends. And I was like, (laughs) we just met. Nobody believed us because our bond was already so strong. So the next morning, oh, she left at like four o'clock in the morning, by the way. It was crazy. But we had a great night. The next morning, I had a meeting at like nine o'clock. So I'm telling them about this amazing woman who I met in an Uber pool who became my best friend in a matter of four hours. And we hung out at Waffle House and laughed like we've been friends forever. And they go, wow, where did you say you were last night? So I tell them about the club where I was leaving before I met her. And a woman at the table says, there was a shooting there last night. I'm like, nah, you playing, right? You are playing. 30 minutes after I left, there was a shooting at that club. And so what that showed me is I was never supposed to be there. And I was exactly where I was supposed to be. And I was supposed to meet Alizé and hang out with her. You never know who you're in position for. You never know how your moves are affecting other people, but you're exactly where you're supposed to be, exactly when you're supposed to be there. And that is one of my favorite Purpose Reflections. So here's what you can expect from the Purpose Producer Podcast. You can expect to be encouraged. You can expect to be inspired. You can expect to be transformed. You'll hear from me and you'll hear from some of my Purpose Producer friends who have amazing stories and amazing testimonies that I believe will not only inspire you, but the people around you. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Producer Podcast with Georgia Dawkins.